and good day to you wherever you may be on this Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018. This is episode number eight of the Moderate Podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. I am Jimmy Davis. A uh, quick reminder to visit our website at themoderatepodcast.com. You can subscribe to our social media, and you can subscribe to our show on any number of podcast platforms, any one that you like. If you download the Anchor app on um, Google Play or, yeah, Google Play, right? Google Play or the App Store, uh, you can uh, leave audio comments for playback on future episodes. And a quick reminder, if you want to sponsor the show and support the show, you can do that. If you want to co-host, you can, you know, if you do sponsor the show, you can uh, co-host with me sometime or you can um, have your product or service plugged on the show. So we've got a lot, a lot going on um, right now. So many irons in the fire. You've got uh, Michael Cohen, the the guilty plea. Um, yesterday, uh, you had Duncan Hunter and his wife indicted on using for using campaign funds for personal expenses. Um, but of course, and of course, the Paul Manafort trial, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, and we're going to talk about who. We're going to give some background on who Paul Manafort is, and uh, then we'll get into what happened with his trial why it, and why it matters. Um, but before I get to that, I want to kind of follow up on something real quick from yesterday's show. If you didn't listen to it, please do. Um, now, don't get me wrong. You know, I talked about Rudy Giuliani and, and how he was unfairly treated. I still think he got a bum rap, but he really did step in it. Um, his statement is being taken out of context, though. Remember when Barack Obama was taken out of context when he said, if you got a business, you didn't build that. Obviously taken you know, way out of context, and people came to his defense to say that that's not what he meant. When Giuliani said it's someone's version of the truth, I think he should have said it's someone's version of the story, of what someone's version of what happened. Um, but it's not, he, what he's point is, it's not truth. It's somebody's recollection of the facts. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's truth um, because it's only based on what you recall, right? Um, Because right before his now infamous gaffe, he said, no, it isn't isn't truth. He goes, no, it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. Because of, because, and they're talking, and remember also when you heard the audio, they were talking over each other. If you read a transcript of it, it makes it sound even, you know, seem worse than it is, but they're actually talking over each other, which is part of the problem, I think, of what how this has all become an issue. When he said, no, it isn't truth, he should have just stopped right there. But because Chuck Todd pushed him on truth is truth, which, you know, he shouldn't have said that, the, you know, that, that the truth, that wasn't someone's version of the truth in the first place. He shouldn't have said that. Um, then he got it caught, kind of caught up in the heat of the moment. Again, I think people are reading way too much into this, um, but then, then, then on the other hand, it was, uh, well, what's the vegan version of red meat? Um, you know, liberals want nothing more than to see the Trump administration burn down, right? So you you say something like that, and you can take it, and you can take it and put it in any context you want. Um, it's it's red it's red meat for those people that are going after you. It's, but that's when I don't know what the ver- vegan version of that would be. So anyway, just wanted to to clarify on that. So of course we had uh, Paul Manafort was um, convicted of um, he was uh, 
uh, of eight counts, eight of 18 counts that he was up on. Um, a mistrial was made for the other 10. But who is Paul Manafort? Who is the man um, involved in all this? Well, Manafort was born on April 1st, no joke, April 1st, 1949, in New Britain, Connecticut. Um, his grandfather immigrated to the United States from Italy in the early 20th century. Um, his father served in the U.S. Army um, during the World War II and was mayor of New Britain from 1965 to 1971, so politics ran already in his family. His father was indicted in a corruption scandal in 1981 but was not convicted. In 1967, Manafort graduated from St. Thomas Aquinas High School, Aquinas High School, um, a Catholic school and um, that was in New Britain. And he attended Georgetown, where he received both his he received a bachelor's in business administration and his JD. Um, he brought, got his uh, his bachelor's in 1971, his JD in 1974. Between 1977 and 1980, he practiced law with uh, Voorhees, Sater, Seymour, and Peace in Washington D.C. In 1976, um, you know, talking about some of the, how he's gotten involved with politics. He worked under in the President Ford uh, print committee, and he was a delegate. He was um, under the direction of James Baker. Um, between 1978-1980, he was a southern, southern coordinator for Ronald Reagan's presidential campaign, and was the deputy political director of the RNC. And after Reagan was elected in November of 1980, he was appointed associate director of the President pers Presidential Personnel Office at the White House, and in 1981 he was nominated by the Board of Directors to of the Overseas. He was nominated to the Board of Directors of the Overseas Private Investment uh, Corporation, or, or OPIC. Um, he also was an advisor for presidential campaigns for, for George H. W. Bush in 1988 and Bob Dole in 1996. Um, he's had quite a past as a lobbyist. Um, he found he was a founding partner of the Washington-based, um, back in 1980, he was a founding partner in the Washington, D.C.-based lobbying firm of Black, Manafort, and Stone, along with principals Charles Black and Roger Stone, another name we've been hearing a lot about. And after, G after uh, Peter Kelly was recruited, the name of the firm was changed to Black, Manafort, Stone, and Kelly in 1984, um, Manafort was there until 1996 when he joined uh, Richard Davis and Matthew Friedman, Friedman and forming Davis for Manafort and Friedman. So some of the um, places he's been involved with in 1985, he had a $600,000 contract with Jonas uh, Savimbi of Angola. Um, that was to refurbish uh, Savimbi's image in Washington and secure financial support on the basis of his anti-communist stance. Between June of 1984 and, 19, and June of 1986, Manafort was a Farah a a registered lobbyist for Saudi Arabia, and the Reagan administration actually refused to grant Manafort a waiver for from per, federal prohib, or a waiver from for prohibiting public officials from acting as foreign agents, and as a result, he he uh, resi Manafort resigned his directorship of OPIC in 1986. 
and um, an investigation by the Department of Justice found 18 lobbying-related activities that were not reported in FARA findings, filings, including lobbying on the behalf of the Bahamas and St. Lucia. Uh, his firm uh, had a $950,000-a-year contract to lobby for then-president of the Philippines, Ferdinand Marcos. He was also involved in lobbying efforts uh, for Motubu Sisi uh, Seiko of Zaire, um, that was a $1 million contract, and he attempted to recruit um, Saeed Bar, uh, Bar, uh, Bar of um, Somalia as a client. His firm also lobbied on behalf of the governments of Dominican Republic, Equatorial Guinea, and Kenya, and Nigeria. And um, in the late 1980s, um, Manafort was criticized for using his connections at HUD to ensure funding for a $43 million rehabilitation of dilapidated housing in Seabrook, New Jersey. Manafort's received, firm received a $326,000 fee for its work in getting HUD approval of the grant, largely through personal influence of Deborah Gordine, an executive assistant to former HUD Secretary Samuel Pierce. So, again, involved with a lot of, um, you know, shady characters, um, Manafort's firm is actually was actually listed among the top five lobbying firms receiving money from Hubert's human rights abusing regimes um, in a report called the Torturer's Lobby. Um, it's, you know, so it's not like this guy had a stellar uh, past in terms of the things that he's been involved with in his business dealings. So let's get to now the more, uh, the present. So, um, the jury convicted uh, Manafort on eight of the 18 counts he was against him, and it was deadlocked on the other 10, so a mistrial was declared on those 10 charges. Uh, he was convicted of filing a false, false tax return in each of the years of 2010 to tw through 2014, as well as not filing a form to report a foreign bank account as required in 2012. He was also convicted of two different instances of bank fraud, relating to a $3.4 million loan from Citizens Bank and a $1 million loan from Bank of California. The charges on which the jury deadlocked include three counts of for not filing a form to report a foreign bank account and seven for committing bank fraud or conspiracy to commit bank fraud. Um, it's not clear what his sentence will be, but legal experts um, are predicting probably more than a de decade in prison under uh, current federal sentencing guidelines. Uh, you know, again, I think when you have these kind of a financial, you know, some people, you know, depending on who, you're, who you ask, these were either, this was a total victory for um, Robert Mueller, or it was a total failure because, I, you know, the whole, the focus is, is like, well, this is a, you know, this is supposed to be about collusion with Russia. This is what he's supposed to be investigating. So it is important to note that Manafort's conviction, he was associated with Trump for a brief time. He was a campaign chairman for a brief time, only for a couple of months. And so they were not really close to each other. As a matter of fact, if you look back at their, their connections, and they really didn't even come to hook up until February of 2016. And um, he was only on the campaign um, until August. Of 2016, so he's only he was only with the tr with the Trump campaign for six months, and when he 
uh, you know, after he got after Donald Trump got his first security briefing, um, Trump shook up his 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 campaign organization in a way that appeared to minimize Manafort's role, because I think they they found out about the allegations against him and his connections to um, the former Ukrainian president who was the pro-Russian party of regions. So that's what his, that's what his next trial is going to be about is his, his, his dealings in, in Ukraine. Um, and so again, the, you know, the connection between Manafort and Trump is pretty, is pretty minimal. Nonetheless, a crime is a crime is a crime. And if you if you did the crime, you should do the time, right? I don't care whether or not Mueller's investigation involves Russia. If, if, if Manafort did indeed, do these things, and a jury found that he did some, at least some of them, then he should have to pay, he should have to serve his debt to society because any one of us would have to do the same thing. Now, how that implicates Trump is, is a matter of debate. And again, this the charges that's, that were specifically against him were well before his time that he was had any connections with Trump whatsoever, and as well before, it was certainly well before the time that Donald Trump was running for president. So, again, there's no nothing to do with the Russian investigation, no with the Russian collusion, and that's what a lot of people are pointing to in terms of what if this being a victory versus not being a victory. Nonetheless, I think uh, there's some, you know, it's it's a, it's a significant victory in the fact that Mueller's investigation actually is producing results. It may not be the results that we that they maybe intended, but as we're going to talk about tomorrow when we talk about the Michael Cohen case. Um, there's probably some parallels as to what happened with Bill Clinton. We're going to look into that a little bit more as well. Um, the 18 charges, um, again, against Manafort centered around his personal finance, finance, finances. Um, so over two weeks of testimony, more than two dozen witnesses, including his former right-hand man, Rick Gates, as well as his former bookkeeper and accountants, uh, testified against Manafort. Uh, they had they had hid. They said he had millions of dollars in foreign bank accounts that went unreported to the IRS, and then later lied to banks in order to get millions of dollars in loans. So, essentially, what happened was is that when he was making the money, he wasn't reporting it to the IRS, and when his work dried up and he needed money to continue his lavish lifestyle, according to you know his critics, um, he went to get the loans to do that, and he lied about what he was making to get those loans. Uh, Manafort called no witnesses at all. Um, his lawyers argued, uh, his, uh, the, 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 his lawyer argued prosecutors failed to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he intended to defraud the government or banks. Um, Manafort's lawyers repeatedly suggested their client might not have known the law. Ignorance of the law is not an excuse to get away with it. Oh, I didn't know the speed limit was only 45 miles an hour and I was going, and you know, you were going 60. Ignorance, ignorance, when it comes to the law, ignorance is not bliss. Sorry. So it's a pretty weak argument for lawyers to, to make that their client didn't know the law. Apparently, there's only one exception to that, and that's something, again, we're going to talk about with Michael Cohen um, in his case tomorrow. Manafort does face a second trial, as we mentioned, in Washington, this time in Washington, D.C. This one, this uh, first um, trial was in, uh, was in Virginia, and so the next trial will be in Washington. And on charges that he failed to register a lo- as a lobbyist for the Ukraine government and conspired to tamper with witnesses in that case, 
Manafort has been in jail since June as a result of the witness tampering charges. So again, people, you know, the, the president was criticizing them that he was in solitary confinement and he's being held and, you know, it's not fair and blah, blah, blah. But because when he was out on bail, he was in, you know, he was, he was tampering with witnesses. They can't have that. So if you do something like that, guess what? You're going to be in jail um, as a result. Um, so, again, how does this now tie to Trump? Well, Manafort, again, joined the Trump campaign. He approached him in February 2016, officially joined it in March 2016, um, originally focusing on getting delegates in um, Ohio. Or, or, excuse me, he was regularly delegates ahead of the, the, the Republican National Convention in Ohio, something that he had done for Gerald Ford. So that was one of the things he had done for Ford as, a, as an advisor. And then he was later elevated to, um, to, to the campaign chairmanship. Now, there's a couple of tweets that I want to talk about with, with Donald Trump back from back in June. Um, he goes, as, as only one of two people left to, who could become president, why wouldn't the FBI Department of Justice, and he put justice in quotes as he, as he tends to do nowadays, have told me they were secretly investigating Paul Manafort during my, you know, on charges that were 10 years old and have been previously dropped during my campaign, should have told me. Well, for one thing, the charges weren't from just ten, weren't from 10 years ago. If he's committing the fraud between 2010 and 2014, last time I checked, that was between eight, four and eight years ago. But nonetheless, um, Paul Manafort came to my, into my, the campaign very late and was with us a short time period. He, he represented Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, and many others over the years. But we should have been told that Comey and the boys were doing a number on him, and he wouldn't have been hired. Well, okay, maybe that is the case. Um, so, and as soon as they found out that there was something dirty about him, he actually did resign from the the campaign. So he resigned on August nineteenth, twenty sixteen, after the New York Times reported he received twenty twelve point seven million dollars in undisclosed cash payments from. Um, the Ukrainian government's pro-Russian party between 20, 2007 and 2012. Again, back in June, maybe that was the case. They were looking at things that were focused on farther in the past, but obviously these charges were more recent, so there was additional dirt on him, in other words. So, what does that all mean now for him, now that he's been convicted, he's going to go to jail, it's just a matter of how long, everyone's saying at least, at least 10 years, um, the only person that can keep him out of jail now is Donald Trump through a presidential pardon. But would he do that? Because, again, the criticism of Robert Mueller, of the Robert Mueller investigation to this point, was that the things that he's been finding so far has had nothing to do with Russian collusion. There's been one, the only thing that we've known about as far as Russian collusion is one single solitary meeting between um, some of Donald Trump's associates and the rest and, and some Russians, right? Other than that, there really hasn't been anything yet. So um, if you're going to argue that Mueller's produce, pursuing unrelated crimes, if this particular crime has nothing to do with the Russian collusion, why, why on earth would Donald Trump pardon him? Because as as a if if only because of of political favor, right? 
And we can look back at in, the, in history and see where president, you know, people have been pardoned. I mean, hell, Richard Nixon was was pardoned, and you know, people predict that if indeed either, um, if if Trump resigns or is impeached, that he will be um, probably pardoned by uh, Mike Pence, assuming Mike Pence becomes the new president. Which, by the way, I've been reading people have been saying, oh, you know, Pence is not going to be in the White House. You know, he's complicit in all this, and like. There is no, there has not been a single piece of evidence. Nobody has been even suggesting that Mike Pence has anything to do with any of this stuff. He also came into the campaign very late, and he's kind of laid low in this whole thing. And um, I think because he knows that, you know, if if indeed Trump does go down, he's going to be the one that has to come in and pick up the pieces. So honestly, um, we'll see how it goes with the Paul Manafort thing at the end of the day. Um, you know, he, his defense was pretty weak. Um, he was kind of passive in his defense, um, but he's still staying close to Trump. And he was actually quoted as one saying, I work directly for the boss. I listen to everybody, but I have, but I have one man whose voice is louder than everyone else's. And we'll see if his loyalty to Trump and Trump's big on loyalty. If his loyalty to Trump is indeed something that saves him from prison, that could very, very well be the case. So it will it'll be interesting to see. One person that probably won't be uh, pardoned by President Trump is Michael Cohen. So we're going to talk about that um, tomorrow. So coming up tomorrow, we will talk about Michael Cohen's guilty plea, what that means. Um, but man, what, what a big news day. A very, NBC did an analysis piece um, saying that this is the darkest, you know, yesterday was the darkest day for President during President Trump's presidency and actually the worst since the worst day for the, the office of the president since Watergate. I think it's a little bit of hyperbole, but you know we'll see. Um, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, remember to visit our website at uh, themoderatepodcast.com. And if you want to sponsor the show, you can, you, there's more information on how to do that there. Um, download the Anchor app on, app on the App Store or Google Play to leave audio comments once again. And again, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show. Um, we have so many different platforms that we're available on. We're trying to add more all the time. Of course, our bumper music, as always, is provided by Purple Planet versus visit www.purple-planet.com. Till tomorrow, for the Moderate Podcast, I'm Jimmy Davis. Keep it real, people. Keep it real, people.